Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. In the world of commercial real estate investing, there are bad deals with good operators and syndicators that certain events, X1 events, bank failures, COVID pandemics that happen that just create the environment for a deal to go bad. And that's just part of being a big boy and a big girl investing in big deals. But then there are bad operators who had a good deal, but they just didn't have the capacity to actualize the numbers in real life because they really just weren't a good operator, a good syndicator, and they shouldn't have been raising money in the first place, even though they had a good deal. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Maddie co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What's up, y'all? You know what we do here? It's that day of the week. We cover all things stocks, real estate investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey to just make the most informed decisions around unlocking more financial freedom. And of course, you know, we like to throw in a little news, a little politics, a little banter. Uh, but most importantly, right, covering the data and the, um, the, the news and the events that really impact you and your financial decisions going forward. So, if you are new here, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Of course, if you're a longtime listener, if you're a new listener, if you get any value from the show, if you enjoy the show, all we ask is that you take 60 seconds to leave a review on iTunes. And of course, don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray. Ryan and his amazing team offer this out for free. To any and all of our listeners, Ryan, what do they get when they text the word x-ray to 844 844- 447-1555. We will reach out, get in contact with you and kind of just go over what you currently have set up uh, as far as investments or insurances. And um, if you're looking to get something set up, we can maybe model uh, what that would look like uh, to set that up for you. Main thing we normally discover is just some hidden fees. Sometimes people don't know that they're paying certain things in certain accounts. And then we can probably sometimes lower the risk while kind of enhancing the rate of return on the account. So that is uh, normally the uh, long-term view that we take and one that we can normally dig through and find. 
So all you got to do, text the word X-Ray, 844-447-1555. That'll get you guys connected with Ryan and his amazing team. And for all my credit investors looking to get on my exclusive deals list on syndication or investment opportunities that I offer out to our Millionaire Mindcast uh, family exclusively. Of course, you do have to be an accredited investor to be on this list or at least to invest. Uh, you can do so by texting the word DEALS to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. Don't forget to check out all the great stuff that we have available for you guys over at MillionaireMindcast.com. Lots of new things that have been uploaded and put into the store and resources available for you guys. So be sure to check that out. And with that being said, men, what a week of uh, a lot of headline news. Yeah, yeah lots, lots of things of, going on. Man, when I was in I was in Disneyland in line for Thunder Mountain Railroad with my wife. And sure enough, Russia started getting invaded by Russia. Dude, that was or the crazy. mercenaries. I was like, what the heck? Russia the starts going the Wagner like, group. The here? Wagner group. The Wagner. Yeah, I, I can't even say his name. Pogosia, Pogosia, whatever that little guy's name was. He used to sell hot dogs. Now he sells AKs and missiles. But yeah, that was pretty crazy. That market data, market was down for the past uh, six days. Kind of to be expected. We'll get into all that, but it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got the Titan submarine and that whole story and narrative was wild with, you know, the military saying essentially it sounds like, and again, all speculation, who's no, who knows what's true and what isn't that essentially it sounds like they heard or, or knew about the implosion of the Titan submarine uh, well before the media coverage stopped and ended. You got Musk versus Zuck talking about MMA fights, George St. Pierre offering to train Elon, John Bones Jones, back in Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, God. You got the, uh, you know, essentially... I didn't even know that part about it. Yeah, yeah. You got <laughs> MMA fighters coming out of the woodworks, kind of seeing who falls into what camp, which I think is kind of funny. That you had the whole funny. Hunter Biden story with, you know, the IRS whistleblower and mm -hmm. that whole, uh, you know, really just complete cluster uh, why it's been a wild, wild seven days. Yeah. So we'll get into more of what's going on in the stock market, rates, student loan debt. Uh, we've got consumer confidence reports, durable goods mm -hmm. reports, and ultimately how that's tying into what we're seeing in the market. We'll get your take on all of that. Crypto's got some news that is rolling out that, of course, all the crypto heads are excited about and, you know, I think rallying behind and real estate news and data coming out, uh, good and bad, depending on uh, how you classify certain um, pieces of information. So we got a lot to cover today. With that being said, let's start with what is going on with the market that you've been seeing over the course of the last week and what is really tying into why we're seeing that. So, oh man, where do I begin? There was geopolitical, there was um, a bunch of stuff, but I'll just kind of take a top-down view from it. So main stuff that we had was we obviously had like six weeks of the market kind of tearing um, pretty good. There were some weeks that are better than others. There was some choppiness in the middle of the weeks, but up weeks overall. Um, and the main movement we saw was in tech. So you saw the Qs, the NASDAQ moved the most. Um, that, that, 
the market at some point gets a little overbought, even in bull markets. And there's going to be a time of a, of a healthy pullback or people taking profits and buying other things. And something that we can always do is we can look at the SPX versus the SPY. Um, SPY is the market cap weighted S&P and the SPX is the, uh, the, the equal weight S&P. So all the companies had the exact same percentage allocation. And the equal weight S&P actually was up on a few of the days when the S&P 500 market cap weighted was down, which means that there was some profit taking, but some rotation being done. So there was some purchasing in certain areas. Um, we saw a rebound today being Tuesday back in tech names. I think that AI play that I called a few uh, months ago or about a month and a half ago being kind of the looking like the next new catalyst. I think that's kind of spot on right now. Um, I'm not going too, too, too heavy in that as far as an allocation, but I am starting to layer on more into tech names. Um, we're getting really close to my price target uh, for year end and we're only halfway through the year. Which is a good thing. Um, but the market is definitely sending some mixed signals, but I feel like more good than bad. And um, pundits are still kind of pushing for that whole recession thing they've been pushing for for about a year and a half. Um, kind of sounding like a, a broken record. Um, but that was the main reasons for the market rebound. Today, we had extremely good data across the board. Not only do we have housing sales, um, surprise, big surprise on that one, have a huge beat. Uh, we had consumer confidence coming in at a massive beat. We had, um, what else did we have today? Durable goods. We had durable goods minus transportation, which I said a couple weeks ago was like, ah, yeah, this, this rate meeting is pretty important, but everybody's kind of, we know we're going to get a pause. I'm more concerned about durable goods, X transportation. And that was actually up. And durable goods, including transportation, was up when I was expected to be down by a percent. The one area that was down that actually is good news is the Case-Shiller price index, home price index, was down 1.7% month over month, which is a positive. We want home prices to kind of moderate a little bit. And a 1.7% fall is not terrible, uh, especially when you have 760 plus thousand homes being sold. Yeah, the, um, the actual at 763 thousand homes being sold per May versus the expected of 675, which previous month was at 680. So the fact that there was an increase in home sales and, and the killer price index um, that's dropped really good. That, that's what the Fed wants to see in this scenario. Now, with that being said, that kind of ties back into rates and what are they going to do with rates seeing some of the data trickle in on the housing side of the economy, and then also seeing what we're seeing in the stock market, what is the probability of a pause versus a hike? A lot of people are still speculating that they're going to pause for a little bit and want to see what comes in. But data that has been released recently may say differently. Yeah, the current data, the current futures data on that says there's a 77% chance of a quarter percent hike and a 23% chance of a pause. I'm still holding in the pause camp because like uh, you were alluding to, we still got about four weeks of uh, data to be um, come out between now and then. And July 26 is the next meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's still some time. Um, I think that we'll get Close. I think the spread on that will get closer and closer. Uh, 
just because the futures data though says one thing does not mean it will be that. It's just where the money, what's the money saying? Um, and that's a good, good thing to follow sometimes. Um, I'm, I would hope they pause. I don't think it's, it's reasonable to expect a cut right now. Um, there's no way they're going to cut. They're, they're, I mean, I can't see like zero percent chance. If they did, yeah. it would just be, it would be great for a little bit. Um, but it would, it would not be good in the long run for the economy. So yeah. I'm hoping for a pause. Um, the thing that I, I'm getting kind of with the rate thing being our point of conversation here. I think a lot of people are so focused on what the market will do. And this last few days, even when we were, we were down, we weren't having really terrible down days. You know, 1% overall was probably the worst day over the, over the six day period. Um, and you saw a lot of resilience, resiliency, excuse me, in the market, given all the bad information that was coming out. So I'm almost not certain on this, but I'm starting to wonder if, if, what if we did have a quarter of a percent hike and would the market care or would it do like it, I mentioned a few weeks ago in like the 1940s, I believe, where we just hiked interest rates and the market just kept marching up and up and up and up. The consumer is, is unbelievably strong. The uh, underlying um, market is becoming strong and gaining breadth and momentum. Uh, all of these things are good, uh, not only for the stock market, but for the real estate market and investors on both sides as a whole. It's interesting to me to see the data around consumer confidence come in. I know you have always been in the camp and spot on with don't ever underestimate you know the the consumer and the consumer wow. continues to show up in a really big way yeah. for our economy. I mean the expected 103 versus the actual of 109.7 that came in on consumer confidence is a perfect example of that. My question, and I guess concern is, is there seems to be still major issues around affordability and housing. Now we're seeing some potential easing of that with some of the data that's coming in. However, if the Fed, you know, at some point starts to cut rates, then, you know, we're going to see the housing market take off all over again because about 90% of homeowners right now are in a sub-six mortgage interest rate. Yep. So most people are kind of sitting tight, inventory still low, right? Until that pendulum swings back, um, which rate cuts could do that in terms of making it go hot again. Um, I think the housing market is going to hold pretty strong and affordability is still going to be somewhat in question and right now, I think recent data per NBC, CNBC, only 7% of American households earn $250,000 or more, which is a good chunk of income. Don't get me wrong. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you got 93% of the United States households earning less than that and still facing some of the headwinds that we're seeing in the economy, I'm very curious to see how long we can stay at this rate of momentum, I guess, that we've been seeing in the directions that we've been seeing it in. I don't think it's going to slow down, which is the crazy thing. That's wild. And, and the reason is, is because if the consumer is as strong as they are now through what they've been through in the first six months, the first two quarters of the market, right, as we come to a close here, I don't know what else could 
persuade them. I would be shocked if there wasn't a peace deal this year between Ukraine and, and Russia, given the weakness that's been shown because of the recent events by uh, Russian leadership. I would, I, um, the market looks like it wants to continue to go up. Bond market, the curve, we're finally starting to see some tail on the yield curve. Um, I mean, things are looking, are definitely looking much better. Um, for sure, going to see rate cuts into 2024 and through 2024. I just am still trying to, I'm still holding my original uh, end of the year rate cuts. Hopefully they start coming here soon. But um, it, it's just the consumer is not slowing down. And you, you couple that with, yes, maybe there are a large portion of people holding two or three jobs. And, and I did read a report recently saying that a lot of those people anticipate to hold those additional side hustles for a long term, potentially. That's still not a negative. I think right. that people like see that as like, oh, I'm, I, that, if, if that was me, I would not want that. And so they have a negative connotation for it. But I think the worst thing would be is what if you were that person and you didn't do that? Mm -hmm. And you're more reliant on government stuff and you're not going out and actually doing something and supplementing it. I think that that's, that's where people, uh, it eludes them how strong or what the U.S. consumer will do in order to make it. Um, we may not be the smartest country on the planet, but we're, we always seem to somehow make it through stuff. Um, so I think that coupled with unemployment being at historical lows, maybe not the lowest it's ever been, but historical lows, um, that to me is, is what is more impressive and kind of what I would focus on. Um, other than that, the housing data shows that consumers still have, um, cash savings to spend. Cause I would assume I would, be shocked if there was people going into these rate environments not putting it, you know, closer to. I bet you the percentage of people putting more than uh, five or three or whatever the minimum down is for FHA, closer to twenty percent, whatever metric that would be called. People are probably putting a lot more down now than they used to to try mm -hmm. to buffer off some of that uh, interest rate cost. Um, I think we're going to go into summer. I think travel is going to be strong. I think hospitality is going to be strong, and I think what we're going to get again. Just like what happened in 2020. If it can happen in 2020, it can for sure happen now. Um, we're going to get an earnings beat and surprise across all these companies. Analysts are somehow forecasting uh, an earnings recession or an earnings pullback or negative payrolls. I do not see that. And a negative payroll means that the, co the company is putting out, paying out more than they're taking in via revenues. I don't see that. At, I mean, at all. I just don't. Um, so those are, those are the areas that I'm looking at and those are the areas that are still resilient and strong and the people that keep putting money in their investment accounts and keep it dollar cost averaging through this and are putting chunks in in anticipation for that are the people in 24 to 36 months that are going to look back at double digit, triple digit returns in some areas if not already and kind of pat themselves on the back and that's what that's what investing is about same in the real estate market I don't know who in their right mind is going to be uh, sitting on the sidelines anymore as far as waiting for deals. Because I think now it's pretty evident, A, we were not right on our forecast for the... Um, we, were, we, we really meant commercial. We just forgot to say it. 
Um, but we were not right on our forecast for the real estate market because what did we do? We underestimated the consumer. Yep. And it's because, I mean, interest rates are at seven, six, eight, seven percent. People are still taking them out and they're still <laughs> thick quality properties. You, I think, have a, a property you just bought in uh, California, I believe. And you made a, a good, a good profit on that as well. So their opportunity is out there. It's just for those who are ready to seek it and saddle up to when, yeah, it's not 0% money anymore. So yep. you have to, you, you have to run your numbers right. If you have numbers right, you can win. Absolutely. I mean, talking about underestimating the, the consumer, you know, I bought, um, I bought a, a duplex on seller financing out in the Bay Area and. I was going to put about 200k into it and it was going to be about a 6 to 8 month project and my my hope was it was going to net me around you know 110 to 120k on um on that project and I was like you know what let let's test with inventory still as low as it is let's test how strong the demand is I'm very curious so I you know spent I think 6 grand trashing the house out I spent a couple Grand more, kind of just doing the basic cleanup of it, deep clean carpets, you know, things like that, just to kind of get it back to a place where it wasn't a complete, you know, fixer eyesore. But it still needed a lot of work. It was dated. And I put it on the market. I put it way under price just to get immediately um, extra eyeballs on it. And, and, ultimately to get that auction effect going with multiple offers. And so I think I ended up having about 10 offers on it, which yeah. was surprising to me. And I countered the last four, the top four, for them to come in with their highest and best. My goal on it, if I didn't do any construction on it whatsoever, I didn't have to come out of pocket on any capital expenses. And I essentially was able to liquidate the asset within 30 days versus holding on to it for, you know, six to nine months and having a lot more risk associated with the latter than the former, um, I was willing to maybe, hey, if I could get 75K on this house, 50K on this house just to get in and out, let's let's see what I could do. Well, I ended up getting an offer at 825. And I ended up netting more than I thought I was going to net flipping it and holding it for nine months. So if that doesn't tell you the amount of dem- at least it tells me the amount of demand and confidence still in this market and people's buying power for those now not everybody has that but the people that are still in still have the ability to be very strong with what foot they're putting forward which ultimately is reflecting in the market right now yep. and i think the you know, single family real estate market, that's just a small sliver and example of what it looks like in many markets across the country. Yes, we're seeing some housing prices, you know, fall in certain markets. But again, I, I just don't see any recession in the housing market anytime soon. Now, I will say I am definitely seeing and we're already seeing some of the data in multifamily. Um, we've got delinquencies going up a little bit. Nothing major right now, but I think that's going to continue to trend in that direction. I am seeing more and more commercial syndications going bad. I am talking to more and more developers who are facing extreme headwinds with the cost of capital, eating up margin in deals, 
debt lenders either pausing on certain deals altogether or significantly lowering the amount of loan to costs that they're bringing to the deal, which is requiring more equity to be brought to deals, which is completely changing the dynamics of people trying to do deals and get them off the ground. And it's also, um, you know, I think reflective of people who got into commercial real estate that didn't necessarily have experience and or, you know, the, I think, savviness to be a good operator are now starting to really face the repercussions of how they structure those syndications and understanding that just as debt can be a tool and an instrument that works in your favor and creates leverage, it's a double-edged sword. It can also work against you. And... I think there's things to keep in mind. I think one, this is going to create great opportunities for people. But when you've got doctors and you've got teachers and you've got, you know, all different types of people all of a sudden becoming fund managers and syndicators, if I wanted to go and, you know, pretend like I was, you know, a heart surgeon and do surgery on people just because I had access to doing it, I'd kill somebody. And I think we're seeing the repercussions of a lot of people coming into the space. 20 years ago, unless you were on Wall Street, MBA, Harvard, you know, Ivy League grad, you weren't starting a fund. You weren't raising millions of dollars in capital. And people that got in from 2015 to say 2022, you could have been a very terrible operator or a bad syndicator and still made money along the way just because of what the market was doing. Well, as we have seen over the course of the last 12 months, that is no longer the case. And a lot of those people are getting caught with their pants down as the tide goes out. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very important to... And and let me break it down this way. In the world of commercial real estate investing, there are bad deals with good operators and syndicators that certain events, X1 events, bank you know, failures, COVID pandemics that happen that just create the environment for a deal to go bad. And that's just part of being a big boy and a big girl investing in big deals. Mm-hmm. But, but then there are bad operators who had a good deal, but they just didn't have the capacity to actualize the numbers in real life because they really just weren't a a good operator, a good syndicator, and they shouldn't have been raising money in the first place, even though they had a good deal. Then there's bad deals and bad operators, which we're seeing some of those now start to trickle up, uh, as well as even more unfortunately, fraudulent operators. And I think because of the climate of how much equity was flying around, there's unfortunately bad apples in every industry. And unfortunately, in this particular space of commercial real estate, certain deals, and I've, you know, heard of some in, you know, masterminds and groups that I've been a part of that there's fraudsters out there, right? But there's also, you know, good deals with bad operators and there's good operators with bad deals that just happen to be you know, falling apart. But that being said, I think what it comes back to, just like you do due diligence on companies that you invest in with their earnings, with their team, with their thesis of what they're doing going forward, what the market, you know, is um, data is showing you. 
It's the same thing that people need to make sure they're doing that same due diligence on the deal, on the market, on the team, you know, in commercial real estate. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people got into this groupthink mentality. And if people aren't aware of what groupthink is, it's a phenomenon that occurs when a group of individuals reaches a consensus without critical reasoning or evaluation of the consequences or the alternatives because it's what everybody else is doing anyway. So I got to get in on this. We've seen it, right? You've seen it in your world. Yeah. We've seen it in commercial real estate. One of the most unsafe things because it's an emotionally led, uh, non-objective driven. 100%. So I think while it is unfortunate, I think, you know, um, I've been in majority of good deals, but I've been in a few bad deals. And those deals have taught me a lot about operators and due diligence and the team and the market. And I think these types of opportunities um, are going to allow you to become a better investor, better due diligence, and also to refine how your risk tolerance and portfolio is reflected in the actions you are taking or not taking with your investments. But at the end of the day, you know, as you and I both know, volatility is the price you pay for being an investor and trying to build wealth. It's the big boy, the big girl clause. Don't risk any more than you're willing to lose. And I think in this next little season that we're going to see over 12, 24 months, 36 months, at least in commercial real estate and specific product, there's going to be insane opportunity. But make sure you do your due diligence just as you would, right, Mr. Breedwell, on anything that you're going to throw your money at in the market. Yeah, exactly. All you got to do is make sure, I think I've said it about a million times on here, but buy quality. You just don't buy bad quality assets. Um, If you can buy quality, no matter if it's down, down really hard or whatever, you just can hold it. Um, And that that's to be said on both sides of the street, the stock market and real estate. Even if you have an asset that's not performing or underperforming, as long as it's a quality asset and you can get it back to an area of performance, uh, positive, uh, then that is an asset that you can hold long-term. 100%. You, you don't make money selling in a bad market, but if you can hold out and allow things, right, at least in terms of the headwinds that might be hurting the deal or the opportunity, if you can ride that out and be patient, uh, generally, you will find your way back to the black and ideally, hopefully, the green uh, if you aren't in a position, which some people will be, where they're forced to sell and you know take those losses. Yeah. Now, as we wrap up, I just want to get your thoughts on um, the U.S. kind of spending budget, uh, the balance sheet. Uh, this week, another uh, kind of main headline that snuck out a little bit was you know six point two billion dollar typo, and woohoo, we have more funds to allocate. To Ukraine, U.S. announces today an additional 500 million in new military aid for Ukraine per the Pentagon. We're seeing Joe Biden. So weird uh, is like uh, if we messed up and just sent them too much money. Why don't we just hey? Why don't we just say okay? Yeah, send us back the difference. Right. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah, and then B. Why did we just send them more money if we just made a mistake on sending them too much money? Yeah, that that makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And then. You know, we're hearing obviously over 40 million student loan debtors now owe 1.6 trillion in outstanding loans. Elizabeth Warren is saying President Biden has legal authority to cancel student loan debt. 
And it sounds like the Supreme Court may be deciding this week. Ultimately, they seem to be the final decision makers who can strike it down and make sure that they don't approve it. I don't know why she thinks Joe Biden has the, the, the magic wand to make that final decision. But, but, but that being said, is there any concerns? Is the market showing any concerns around how with the debt ceiling getting you know, raised and a lot of these issues around um, budget and spending, is there any concerns that the market has around that? Or is that already baked in and anything that we should be paying attention to or worried about going forward? From my point of view, everything's baked in. Yeah, it looks like we're on a nice upward trajectory. Market is catching, uh, <laughs> catching momentum, and it, it looks good. Um, the only thing I can see that would that is actually out there that's probably going to happen soon is we're going to get an easing of tensions in the uh, in the European uh, geopolitical risk spectrum, and that is going to uh, better everybody's situation. That'll ease tensions on our market and the in the worldwide market as a whole. Um, so no, I don't think there's anything that's not already kind of anticipated, uh, in the bond or the stock market. Another fun little fact that came out today was, I forget who was, who did it. Was it Fortune? Was it some magazine that did a background check on like a bunch of, uh, the most recent politicians, senators, presidents, president? Or former president Trump was the only family that they could find that had no ties to being former slave owners and every other president did crazy, including Obama, which was kind of weird. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. That but yeah, narrative. How dare they? Yeah. Also, Kamala Harris hit the lowest uh, NBC poll for a vice president ever recorded ever. Shock. That doesn't surprise me. And unfortunately, I don't think there will be anything that comes of how unliked and unproductive she is. 
I think that is Joe Biden's ultimate job security right there is nobody wants to impeach him to get hurt. But well, articles of impeachment passed on, a, I think it was Friday or Saturday, which is one of the reasons I think that that sub thing was maybe held a little bit was to kind of be a little more of a headline news, heart, heartstring tugging and covering up the fact of that. And then the fact that on Sunday, I believe that Joe Biden uh, hired a legal team for the Burisma scandal that he's going through and then the other uh, items he's going through, which you generally don't need a legal team unless you got to defend yourself and you got to defend yourself if there's enough evidence to put yourself up to be indicted. So that um, doesn't mean you're guilty, but it does mean that you can be indicted and you do have to have some foot to stand on to indict uh, people, whether it be a, a strong leg or not, something enough to ask a further question under oath. So now as we wrap up, I think with where the little rally is at right now in crypto, you know, 4.2 trillion asset manager Fidelity is filing for a spot in the Bitcoin ETF, Citadel, Charles Schwab, BlackRock. Charles, who? Charles Schwab, sorry. Charles Schwab. Hard looking to launch uh, the new crypto uh, exchange platform, EDX Markets. Mm -hmm. It seems like SEC conversations are expanding. Anything there that you're seeing or paying attention to that might well, be everybody that regulation was coming it was going to be aggressive and so there's a little told you so um i don't see the current sec chair approving any spot etfs not that they're not going to get approved but i don't know if any any not any time under gary Gensler unless he changes his momentum and uh frame of speech i just don't see him uh doing anything different because that would then set precedent for then the other ones that he did declined to come back. Uh, Wisdom Tree got one declined. I believe CME Group got one declined. So I don't know why BlackRock or Fidelity would be any different, minus their size. Um, and compared to those two, um, all those are heavyweights, but they're just bigger versus uh, one another. Yeah, um, I just don't think Gary Gensler is going to um, approve one. He's That's not just gonna my be, opinion. Yeah, he's not. your opinion is he's not going to be the guy to really yeah. allow crypto in the U.S. to take off. Correct. Yeah, the way many people think at least momentum and, and traction is... Which is what I've been saying for a long time before it even now I didn't say Gary Gensler, but I said the current administration, that's Gary Gensler. Um, they just don't... He's not a big fan of it. And he, he's he's right in a lot of aspects and wrong in, in some as well. But it, there's just still too much fraud, unfortunately, in crypto. And there's too many people that are allowed do things like rug pulls and just create a BS project and put money into it and then pull it out. So um, there needs to be consumer protections put in place so that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And that's just not there, right? Well, that does it for today's show. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, review. It means the world to us, helps us continue to Spread and organically expand our reach to connect with more amazing listeners like yourself. Again, don't forget to take advantage of your free financial portfolio review by texting the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555. That'll get you connected with Ryan and his amazing team. And for all my credit investors that want to get on my deals list to know of the exclusive opportunities that I only put out through that specific channel that you can get notified of by texting the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next week, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers. Cheers, y'all.
Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're gonna get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases, overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.